Hello, I'm Dan Aykroyd, and welcome to this fine motion picture emporium. It's nice to know you're here tonight, rather than at home shoving cheap little plastic cartridges into cheap imported video systems that keep you and your family hostage in your own home or apartment. Now, let's face it, big screen entertainment is what it's all about. We've enjoyed it for years. Movies are great. There's nothing like a good movie, or even a bad one for that matter. Go! <laughs> that was long-winded. Go. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Joe Spiegel, and once again, sitting across from me back is the incredible... Mike Sutherland. Hey! So, this is... The incredible edible cheese. <laughs> this is the Cinescape Movie Review Podcast. And uh, this week is our Kong Skull Island episode. We are going to talk about that fine piece of uh, summer blockbuster. We will also be talking about our flicks of the week, mine being the 2001 uh, HBO BBC film called Conspiracy. Okay. And yours? Samurai, the new Samurai Jack episode. Ooh. Yeah. Samurai Jack. All right. So we'll talk about that, and then there's a <laughs> bunch of movie trailers that came out, and maybe a couple pieces of news, and all that and more. Take it away. All that and more. You thought I was going to go on a tangent, didn't you? No, I thought you were going to say all that more on Cinescape Movie Review Podcast. And all that jazz. Ooh, I should start throwing that in there. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, well, no, I'm going to say take it away. So, uh, yeah, uh, why don't you take it away? Jack. All right. Interrupting cow. Moo. <laughs> all right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, how you doing? 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 All right, let's do it. All right, so of course, Mike and I went and saw the uh, the big budget action uh, extravaganza Kong Skull Island this weekend, mm. um, or this week, and uh, yeah, the movie's got a hundred eighty five million dollar budget, which was pretty obvious because of all the. I mean, the whole movie's visual effects. I mean, the whole. The whole the whole movie. If they even filmed this on an actual you know island or jungle, I'd be surprised. They probably uh, jungle book this shit. You know the whole thing's in a studio. Um, no, I, I'm. You're wrong. I'm kind of joking. Get up on the mic. Because I'm right here. You can't hear me. I'm good. Yeah, you're fine now. Oh yeah. All right. So try to tired of amplifying shit so you can hear. Jungle Book one. Fuck, that's loud. Jungle Book won the uh, visual effects Oscar for for last year, and remember that whole entire film, all of it was filmed inside of a studio, and that I, I assume besides them being Disney, that's why it won the Oscar for best visual effects over Doctor Strange and the other one, whatever other movie was up there for it. But this movie looked really good, and so I mean, do you think that they might have filmed most of it in a studio? No, it was filmed in Vietnam. Shit. Well, I'll take your word for it. I didn't look that. I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, if you're looking at the credits, you'll see that it, uh, all the jungle scenes were filmed in Vietnam. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, uh, keeping with keeping with location shooting because it, it is important to do location shooting. I love I love you know I love when they do that. Yeah. Um, I can understand why they would do the Jungle Book, you know, in a studio, especially when you have a child involved. And also because all <laughs> the animals are going to be mo going to be um, uh, CG. Yeah. So I guess that is smart because then they they can do anything they want with the environment if it's all CG. Yeah, right? pretty much. Yeah, it, it's it it, but it's a controlled environment. Like I said, you have child, so you have to you have to you have to weigh out 
the uh, the uh, the risks involved. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you know, and that movie looked amazing when I when I found out the the entire movie was filmed inside the studio, uh, it blew my mind. I'm like, well, fuck, this is gonna this is gonna be up for an award because it, it worked. You know, most of the time. You can tell when a movie's all green screen and shit. I mean, you know this movie is, of course, because there's no such thing as a hundred foot tall, uh, you know, ape. Is there? <laughs> Are you sure? That I'm aware of. As uh, far as we know. You know, no giant squids, no giant stick bugs. As far as we know. <laughs> but yeah, well, it wasn't a stick bug. That was a fucking. That was a spider. I'm talking about the one where uh, oh the yeah, Toby that's Cable right. Thing. The, the actual the fucking the log. Yeah, the one where it, it came out like a circumcised cock. Yeah, <laughs> it stuck its head out. It was uh, gross. like a turtle. Yeah, the turtle. Um, but yeah, it, that's uh, the movie looks great. It looks definitely all gr- most a large amount of green screen, but it looks great. It looks like they put a lot of effort into and all the visuals. They have detail to them, right? You know, and and look, this movie for all intents and purposes. Is all the, intensive purposes, <laughs> no, or that too? Uh, it's all. It, it is the all the action scenes from the 2005 Peter Jackson King Kong, but given a apocalyptic, <laughs> I wanted to say apocalyptic, apocalypse now style to it. Apocalyptic now. You know, so like if you it, this like there really isn't anything original about this movie, but it look most movies don't have any originality anymore anyway. So. You you just take what what works and then you 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 make it your own, right? Well, this movie is its own because it it has because it has that standout style. Like it's smart that if they were gonna do a remake, another remake of King Kong, that they didn't just copy the 2005 movie. Instead, they they did it in its own way where it stands alone as its own film, but it's also connected to this new uh, you know Universal MonsterVerse thing that they're gonna be doing. Because right. I guess Leg- Legendary Pictures is part of Universal, so. Uh, that's why, um, for some reason, Legendary teamed up with Warner Brothers. I think it was also to help connect with Godzilla, you know, from the 2014. So technically, the 2014 Godzilla is the first movie in this MonsterVerse. Yeah. And But luckily, though, Kong Skull Island, it doesn't do that thing where it does all these connections to Godzilla where it feels like it's a sequel or a spinoff or whatever. Well, and the funny thing is, is that it starts with the Monarch Corporation, right? Yeah. You have John Goodman and Dr. Dre. Yeah, pretty much Corey Hawkins. Yeah. Yeah. Running around. uh, Yeah. So it was uh, principal photography began in Hawaii in various locations around Vietnam. How the fuck did I not say Hawaii? I mean, it was obvious for certain scenes because the, where you know it's that that valley that they um that the owners rent out to to um, movie makers, filmmakers Uh all the time. You could tell they were trying to do different angles so it didn't look as obvious. Where were we? Um, you're talking about uh, oh Monarch, yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, you have John Goodman and um, Dr. Dre. We still haven't done our fucking Roger Ebert intro, have we? Mm. You know, talking about the movie itself, like like you know the, the description, the nah. synopsis. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> kind of gave up on that. Um, and it didn't clue in until I'm like, I, I, I and I looked at you in the movie, and I'm like, fucking Monarch. I pointed, I'm like Monarch. That's like really familiar. I already knew because I I read about it um, somewhere that it was this is part of the MonsterVerse right. that they're planning on doing. Um, so I wasn't surprised by it. I, I thought you already knew because you usually read a lot more shit than I do. Um, I stayed away from anything mm-hmm. in in regards to development about King Kong yeah. or Skull Island other than you know the the cool posters, <laughs> the picture that you used. Um, 
for the movie review, yeah. which is the guy with the, the green yeah, the, the, the that canister, was the LZ. That was from one of the movie posters. Yeah. I was and able to find the one that isolated just that part instead of having all the credits underneath it and then the whole Kong Skull Island title above it. I right. just wanted that picture. Yeah, and and, and it, it's a really cool picture. But So I'm sitting there, I'm like, Mon- fucking Monarch Corporation, Monarch, Monarch, Monarch. Yeah. And, and then at the end of the movie- After you know, the credits, yeah, after the end credits. Right. I'm like, oh. I thought you would have gotten the hint when it, at the beginning of the movie when it was showing, he was looking at a couple pictures, and one was the black and white photo of that um, that destroyer that had the huge claw marks in it. Yeah, yeah. I thought you would have uh, put two and two together there with the Godzilla connection. Well, no, I mean, it, it opens up very similar to Godzilla uh-huh. with, with the foot, the old footage. Yeah. And, it, and I'm like, wow, do, this is like Godzilla. I know, and it didn't do the redacting, though. <laughs> right. But yeah, it, you're, I, I almost leaned over to you and said that. Dude. I go, well, there you go. See, they made it even look like Godzilla because I thought you knew. Yeah. Um, my big problem, my, my only problem with uh, the King Kong, ver- this version, is that Kong has a wife, uh-huh. quote unquote, you know, has a mate. Uh-huh. And two children, Kong Jr. and Kiki. Okay. And my and my the whole issue that I have with it is is that the whole last of his kind. Yeah, he's the last of his kind. Which they kind of did that with the 2005 though. Garbage. Also. You know. I think that's the, also their way of trying to explain how the the 2014 Godzilla came out, right? Which is set present time, and how this one's set in 1973 at the end of the Vietnam War, right? And and so it's their explanation for how no one's ever heard of the Kong thing. Since then, you know what I mean. That's the only thing I could think of is why they decided to make him the last of of his kind with that. Um, but I, oh. yeah, uh, apparently, what's going to happen is the uh, Godzilla sequel is going to come out in 2019, which is not going to be directed by the guy who directed the first one. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then a year later is going to be for what they for what now they call um, King Kong versus Godzilla. Right. Which I'm telling you is not going to be the name of it. Hey, they might fucking change it, but for now, that's that's still what they're saying. Uh, I'm still, I'm, I'm betting they're either going to call it Monster Island or King of the Monsters. Well, that would be cool because I mean, they, you know, the the after credit scene. And look, I don't want to try to give away too much. I mean, we're, this is, you know, we do spoilers on this podcast, but there are connections at the end after all the end credits are over that connects this to that bigger monster verse where King Kong and Godzilla are in the same same place. So. Uh, don't want to t- explain everything that was in there. You should just see it for yourself. But it's really cool, and it's worth staying through all those, you know, the ten plus minutes of end credits to right. see it. Um, oh yeah, that was it. You know, it's e- even if you go back to the two thousand five, the, the the visuals are still mostly amazing. I mean, the whole sp- the whole part where they're running from the stampede of the brontosauruses, you can definitely tell there's some green screen here and there, but um, well, they still uh, look good. Um, what are you looking up right here? The whole. So the spider lizard, uh-huh. the spider pit lizard. Yeah, um, that was actually there. It is okay. So in the movie, you have the two-legged like monsters. Yeah. Well, those were actually taken from the 1933 King Kong movie. Okay. <coughs> and that's cool and all, but we both agree that it was the only like big problem with the monster fights in this movie was you already introduced two of them, the smaller ones, right? Which they look like a combination of the Godzilla Muto, right. right? And then also the um the Cloverfield monster. Yeah, just think of think of like a two-legged tail. Yeah. Like a gigantic tail with legs yeah. and a head. You yeah. know, like a lizard tail. And the head is like a big fucking dinosaur skull. It's pretty much kind of like like um the um when in Tremors when they had the the mutation where 
some of the tremors grew legs and they they had just two legs each and yeah. they would walk around. It was kinda like that. Like um that. but yeah, it was uh look at the robots. Um it <laughs> There it is. Yeah, there it is. But yeah, that that was the problem with the with the with the uh the monster that he fought <laughs> was that he fights the two smaller versions and he kicks their ass really quick, which it most of that fight looked like the same fight when uh Kong the two thousand five Kong was fighting the three Tyrannosaurus mm-hmm. at the same time. Um but this time it was just Oh, the final boss is going to be a, just a bigger version, and that's kind of like what they did in Godzilla. Because if you remember, there was the two Mutos, right? There was the smaller one, which was the the male, right, and then the female, which was much bigger. And he fights the female second, right? And uh, it was that uh, you already did that in Godzilla. For them to do it again, for him to fight the same monster, right? Is I don't know. They could have done something better. But what I liked about this movie is. Look, I'm not trying to knock the 2005 because the 2005 I think is is a is a very very good version, but this one it doesn't fuck around with trying to um, establish anybody for the most part. <laughs> Tell a story, you know. It just it just you don't need to know everyone's fucking history. You don't know what they fed their kids for breakfast this morning. It, it, instead, it's just it throws you right into the mix, man. And it, and this movie just keeps hitting you and hitting you. With more and more action, more and more, more and more death, <laughs> and more and more, you know, monsters, and and sometimes that's better. Sometimes I don't need backstory on all these, especially if you're gonna kill half the people that are in this fucking movie right when they get to the island. Right. I don't need backstory on any of them anyway. Well, and we got enough backstory anyways. We know that you know uh, what's her name is the photographer. Yeah, Brie Larson. Yeah, which that was the other thing that didn't work, but we'll get into that. Um. Oh yeah, I've seen that. That's that's. A, I saw that on some movie or something. I can't remember what it was though. Um, Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. Arachne. So what? Well, um, what were you saying? That um doesn't. Um, you have we have enough backstory. We know Tom Hiddleston. We know we know he's uh, like ex special forces, British special forces. Yeah, John Goodman's character has been was on the the ship that got destroyed, the USS Bonaventure or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Nothing important, but it was the same ship that was in Godzilla, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that they showed at the beginning that got destroyed. And yeah, he's been trying to convince people ever since. Yeah, he was. He's like the the. Tim, he was the only survivor. He's like the Tim Curry Herkimer Hamolka from Congo that was trying to convince everybody that the 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 gray ape exists, <laughs> and no one would believe him. Right. Um, but this is better than Congo, of course. Um, and and then um, you have the mystery of the lost spider pit sequence. You have, come on, brain. <laughs> you can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> Dr. Brule. It's Dr. Steve Brule. <laughs> what the fuck is his name? <laughs> John C. Riley. Thank you. God. I thought I was having a fucking brain fart on that. <laughs> well, <coughs> you had a problem with him? No, I, I was having a brain fart. Oh, okay. So you have, you have, you know, John C. Riley. You have Samuel L. Jackson plus his entire unit. And it explains everything. Yeah. So you don't need all this fucking, you know, backstory, flashback information yeah, to it, know that they're going from Vietnam which, to which this had, fucking... Yeah, where they were at, they had no action, right? And, and it was like Peter or, uh, Samuel Jackson gets what he was wish, what he wished for. Right. It's, you know? it's the end of the war. Yeah. Right? And everybody's pulling out. Okay? You... Oh, I just... I... <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was looking at the pictures. Um so yeah, everyone's pulling out, and and Samuel Jackson, you can tell he's he's depressed about not you know 
experiencing anything the whole time they were in Vietnam, right? Or however long he was running that spot in Vietnam. And so when when his uh, his commanding officer tells him that that uh, that he's got one more job for him to do, you know, and and his his commanding officer keeps apologizing to him on the phone, like I'm sorry, I know you're ready to go home. You guys are about to go home, and ready. and like and Samuel Jackson's like, no, thank you. Right. <laughs> like he wants it. Like he, this is a guy that does not want to go. He's like a warrior that doesn't want to go home without seeing something, you know, being a, spilling some kind of blood or something. And he gets way more than he thought he was going to get when he, of course, gets to the island. And they do the whole fucking Captain Ahab thing with him. Right. And and you know what? And I was fine with it because the movie knows how to balance between the seriousness and the humor. And so that's what kept... That's why his character never really fully... I wasn't too disappointed in how predictable his character was, you know, because he had blinders on, right? He just had this tunnel vision, like, we have to kill Kong. There's no... I'm not going to try to understand anything... He killed my people. He needs to fucking die kind of thing, right? So, but because the movie balances in other ways with the comedy, it, it makes it all right. It, it it works for the most part, even though it is, like I said, predictable. Um, John C. Riley's character is, is like really, like when I saw him in the trailers, I thought that he was going to fuck the movie up. I thought he was going to John Schneider judge dread it, you know? <laughs> right. And just be this over Rob Schneider. Yeah. Oh, I, did I say John? Yes. Motherfucker. All right. So, I, yeah, I thought he was going to Rob Schneider it, and he didn't. Instead, he he brought this this level of of funny to it, and but he was still smart. He was just stuck on that island for so long. He didn't care about like his sarcastic uh, you know re- responses to everything. He's got nothing left to fucking lose. He's been stuck on this island over half his life. Yeah. Right. So fuck it. You know, you guys are going to die. <laughs> you know, and all this shit. He's laughing about it. Um, his character works. We're all going to die. Yeah. You guys shouldn't kill me. I don't know why you guys came here. <laughs> like Adrian Brody's nose. <laughs> Toucan Sam. So, um, <laughs> all right. Uh, what was I going to say? It was, um, oh, the, going back to, to backstory. Um, the only character that seemed like they tried to do any kind of, like one of the soldiers they tried to do any kind of backstory with was Toby Kebbles, mm-hmm. where he, you know, he's writing letters to his son, and then his, you know, his 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 fellow um, soldiers would, you know, make fun of him in a way, you right. know. But it was endearing. It was like it was a brotherhood kind of thing, and but it seemed like they only did that whole thing about him writing letters to his son because they were going to do that scene where he's by himself, right? And then he gets killed. I I thought that personally, it it wasn't necessary. It all that stuff could have been done off camera. You know what I mean? Like. Like with him being lost and then them finding his dog tags being spit up by the by the monster yeah. with his skull, that would have worked better, I think. Is this just yeah? This is the uh, lost spider pit sequence. Oh the, yeah, the Peter Jackson. See, he he integrated scenes from the original movie into what he filmed. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a huge there. It it, it was photographed. Uh huh. It was probably filmed but lost. But there's. There's a lot of information about this. I yeah, because the director they, destroyed almost all of the stuff he filmed that he didn't put in the movie. Right, but the, the script and everything else is still available. Uh-huh. So they they had all the information available to recreate this. Scene. Yeah, just just not the film actual film footage. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is fucking cool, man. How he did this. The fact that he took the time. The guy who made Lord of the Rings, and now he's making King Kong. You know, King Kong remake. Right. He took the time to do this. Which is really cool. Yeah. 
Here they go, <laughs> running across. Yep. And the reason why I brought the spider pit sequence in is because it actually plays into the the new Kong Skull Island movie because yeah. there's a lot of stuff, a lot of homages to yeah. the original King Kong. I'll tell you what. Which there, a lot of people don't know. There is not one part in this Kong movie that, I mean, don't get me wrong, good, it was good, but there was not one part that was as creepy as the part right there where you see Andy Serkis' head being enveloped by that fucking worm monster. Yeah. That fucking part to this day, every time I see this movie, because I've seen... I've seen Peter Jackson's King Kong at least 20 times or more, and every single time it gives me fucking chills. Right. It makes me, it gives me creepy goosebumps, man, because it's just the creepiest scene ever. You know, in the way he's screaming, and Andy Serkis, of course, is always, always a good actor. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's like this hopelessness. Because if you notice that whole scene, there's no music playing, and that makes it even creepier. It's just all these guys. Look at this. See the doll bounce? Falling down. See, you do the doll bounce. <laughs> Come on, Kong, it's knock fucking, them fucking motherfuckers off. Yeah. You'll swipe you, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> beat you up. <laughs> but this whole, the whole, the, so the whole sequence has the, the gigantic spider. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the crabs, um, yeah. the octopus, and the, um, the, the two legged fucking pit lizard. Yeah. Just threw all that yeah. shit right into a pit. Yeah. 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 Fuck you. Stupid honkies. Fecky. Fecky honkies. All these people fell and bounced, but they had this, look, they landed on rocks and shit. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm just, shake, just shake it off, Taylor. I'm good. So here's that. There's one of them right there. Yeah. There's the there's the fucking lizard. Yeah. See, these are these are real actors from now. Right. That he filmed and put into this. Well, no, that's a two-legged lizard, but that's supposed to be a, that, that's a four-legged there's lizard. There's a crab. Yeah. That's supposed to be a two-legged that, that lizard. That crab is why he did that crab sequence in yeah. the um, in the movie, uh, the Peter Jackson one. So here comes the spider. Yeah. And then and, and then in Kong Skull Island, they have the huge spider walking around. <laughs> there, you know? oh wait, yeah, that's two-legged. That the one that just crawled up the wall. That lizard was two-legged. Oh, uh, I didn't see it having back legs. Well, now it's got fucking. Now it's got back you. legs. It didn't have back legs when it climbed up the wall. Well, all right, whatever. <laughs> and there's supposed to be an octopus. So you can see it in the background. See. Yeah, there's the octopus, <laughs> and this all and this all plays into the, uh, the the Skull Island movie. Yeah, because you have the octopus when you know uh, I, one of the dudes was was trying to get home to his son Billy. Uh-huh. I can't remember his name. And <laughs> come here, man. Huh. Come here. Let me let me tickle your belly. Hmm. Let me tickle your belly. Arr. Let me tickle your belly. Come here, George. No. You cannot tickle my belly. Hug him and squeeze him. Hey, <laughs> Dick. Oh, why did you do that, George? Why? Why you have to stab me? <laughs> oh, I heard. <laughs> oh, that is a two-legged fucking lizard. There, there, there it, it is. is. I told you I saw it. I just didn't. It, they made it look like it was the other one with the four legs. Right. Like they just fucked up or something. So yeah. So yeah. All of this stuff is is a, is direct. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get you. <laughs> We're gonna get you. Yeah, I mean that's fucking cool, man. It, it, that he put the time and effort into making that. Yeah, you know. So it, it's it's nice to see that they were able to take in a lot of stuff from uh, from the original King Kong and yeah. incorporate it into Skull Island. So yeah, dude, that those worm monsters that come out of the water. I mean, the CG on them it still doesn't even look like CG. It looks like fucking real. They did a great job with it. Oh look, it's a spider. <laughs> More fucking spiders. 
ah, I mean, this, take this, that. This whole scene just looks like it's impossible. Like, there's no way they're getting out of this shit. You know. Well, then they, then of course, <laughs> it ends with the everybody can crawl up at him, uh, Brody's nose with the machine gun, yeah, with the machine gun rescue where they're all hanging from fucking vines like, like uh, Shia LaBeouf in Indiana Jones. Yeah, swinging with the monkeys. Yeah. Oh, I saw a movie where they did it worse than the Shia LaBeouf one. The Legend of Tarzan that came out last summer, oh, yeah? a year ago last summer, um, or fuck, almost two years ago now. Or no, it was yeah, it was a year ago last summer. So, um, that one, not a bad movie. Not it wasn't that bad, but there are some scenes where they just do way too much CG. And there's this part where they all have him, him and all of his fellow um, tribesmen have to get onto this train. Right. And they're fucking. He swings on these vines that go for like fucking mile. It swings for a mile at super speed. To get to this 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 CG you know train. super speed yeah vine swinger and it was just such fucking stupid bullshit that's why nobody saw the movie well it, it fucking it, huge failure it made no it made four hundred worldwide oh, it made a lot I'm it, sure it didn't just over here it only made like sixty or something um, who the fuck watched it oh I do I wanted to bring this up but I don't want to keep yammering during the movie. But Samuel L. Jackson was in that movie too. <laughs> I'm like, dude, is he fucking. He was just in a movie where he's walking through the jungle. He played the guy that was with Tarzan the whole fucking movie, you know. And he was good in the movie, but I'm just saying, he's just like, dude, it's like they keep putting Sam Jackson in everything. Uh, oh no, the yeah. lights have gone out and big crickets are coming. Yeah, the crickets are creepy and the yeah, and there's the any ant. circus, but but oh yeah, his friend is his friend the cook who he he's in love with. I think there oh, comes the CG fucking. There. Here comes the big worms. Yeah, the, that the, doesn't look. Fucking fake. That, no, that part where the part comes out, Ugh. that looks fucking great. That still looks great. Oh, he punched it right in there. Get away from my friend. Oh, look at uh, It just gives me fucking chills, man. So awesome. Why would a cricket attack him? Get off me, cricket. Because you're an ugly human. I don't like you here. Yeah, it'd be like, you, wouldn't those monsters be eating each other? <laughs> kind of. They're like, nope, we're worried for humans. Ugh. Is that crawling up his leg? Yeah, it's like eating up his leg, like from the foot. Like it's already got his, have his leg inside its mouth. <laughs> Fucking Jack Black. Jack Black all, attack. Going all fucking uh, <laughs> bonsai stick on him. Ah! <laughs> that, the big arm. Those are called cave, cave fishers, those yeah. crabs. They actually exist. Uh-huh. And they hide, and they have they have like a webs yeah. that stick down and to catch anything, and it's impossible to get out of these webs yeah. if you're a bug or whatever. Here it comes. Yeah. This is fucking... Eating his leg. Look at right there, man. Just fucking creepy. Sucking on his head. Right there. Boom. He's done. <laughs> and you can just hear him screaming inside there. Excellent. Yeah. Fucking excellent. Time to get to bomb. But yeah, the problem with this movie is that it's just it's just so much. It's so much that it wants you to watch, you know, and sit there for over three. The movie's over three hours long. It, yeah. It's like, God damn. So, okay, we don't yeah. need it. We don't, yeah, we're good. <laughs> we don't need to see the the coach from Friday Night Lights TV show swing down on a vine and shoot them with Tommy guns. Right. <laughs> All right. You know, Kyle Chandler, I think, is the actor's name. Um. So anyway, back to the movie. Uh. Yeah. The the whole Toby Kebbell thing. It. I love Toby Kebbell. I mean, he's a really good actor, and he's he did motion capture. He played Koba in the uh the last two Planet of the Apes uh, movies prequels. Um. But he, uh, we've seen him in a few things lately where he's barely getting anything to do. You know, he played the the bitch fit throwing doctor. Uh, I'm sorry, Doctor Doom, in the Fantastic Four re- remake, uh-huh. right? Remake, remake, remake. 
Um, and also just other things where they're not utilizing how good of an actor Toby Kebbell is, besides the motion capture stuff that he does really well in The Planet of the Apes. Right. You know, this movie was like, okay, Toby Kebbell's in there, so he's going to have something to do, right? Well, he has that good line, you know, is that a monkey? <laughs> and then the fucking helicopter it's, gets... That's fucking so... That was great. Am I seeing something, or is that yeah. a giant monkey? Is that a monkey? <laughs> you digger jab! So yeah, that I mean, but <laughs> took our germs. But yeah, the the movie could have done something else instead of focusing on him being by himself for a few scenes, um, and then him ending up just being fodder, you know, just being eaten by himself. And then it was I, I know why they did it. They wanted to have a reason why Samuel L. Jackson's character, um, a, a better excuse for why his character didn't want to go in the direction that Tom Hiddleston's was. Right. So they used the whole Toby Kebbell character thing, so that Samuel L. Jackson had someone that he was trying to find, right? Right. So I, I get why they did it, but they didn't need to show it. That that was, you know, he could have had more time for something else instead. Um, also, another thing I liked about this movie was it didn't waste the time with the whole um, Fay Ray, you know, King Kong, Naomi Watts love story thing, you know, where, you know, Kong is like just enamored with the with the blonde chick, right? Where, you know, he's got to protect her at all costs. You know, and then there's like this love story between them, you know, this non-sexual love story between them. And it just takes up so much time. You know, 2005, sure, it worked because it makes you care about King Kong. Right. But in this movie, you didn't need it. And I'm glad that they didn't they didn't waste any time with Allison Bree's character. There was just that one scene where Kong saves her. He looks at her for a second and then he fucking walks away. And I'm like, I like, I almost wanted to clap. I'm like, thank God you didn't waste a bunch of time with him becoming obsessed with her or something. And then the rest, the whole rest of the fucking movie is about him chasing after her, right? Dude, can you imagine Michael Keaton playing John C. Riley's part? I saw that. I saw, yeah, I looked. And, and, um, Tom Wilkinson was going to play the Samuel L. Jackson? <coughs> no, J.K. Simmons. Or, oh, no, J.K. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So Tom Wilkinson was going to play, was offered. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that would have been a completely different movie. I, mean, I think I, so. I could see, I could definitely see um, J.K. Simmons playing the Samuel L. Jackson role, but the whole the John C. Raleigh thing that would have been fucking weird with Michael Keaton. I don't think it. Fuck, I don't know. What, what do you think? How do you think it would ter- would turn out? You I don't. Who cares? <laughs> you, all right. So um, this movie is just it, dude. I was entertained the whole time, and I felt like I was watching a monster movie. I felt like, uh, you know, that. Uh, it didn't make me feel like a kid again because you know I've, I've seen too much to to really make me feel like a kid again. But it it, it still it kept my attention the, the entire time. I didn't feel like it was wasting any time on anything other than what I already said about Toby Kebbell. But at least it still did something with it. It, it introduced another monster, you know, which it, it was cool that it showed like there was not not every monster on there is like a murderous you know beast like you know how they had the water buffalo, they had the big stick monster. Um, which maybe the stick monster might have tried to kill him if the other one didn't show up. I don't know. But I don't know. Anyway, um, there were a lot of cool um, action sequences that I liked. There was um, the whole squid scene. That was cool. And it did, it, didn't, it wasn't super long, if you noticed. Right. It just, boom. It was like it attacks him. He, you know, he struggles for a second. Then he fucks it up and he starts eating it and he drags it away. Right. It was great. You know, and that was, that, and that was another thing with the Toby Kebbell thing. It was like, oh, that's why you also had to separate him, right? Because he's the only one that saw it. Um, what else? Um, oh, dude, that whole sequence with the spider that attacks him, where its legs look like just like the bamboo. Uh huh. That was fucking great. That was that was that was creepy, and the sound effects that went with it when they were shooting up at it. Right. And 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 all that. It was just that that was really well done. 
Yeah, um, when it fucking stabs into that guy's mouth. Yeah, exactly. That reminded me of um, uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. There was they had this lady that was done like that. They actually, um, for that movie, they had to have that actress come into the fucking courtroom when, when the, the... I know. Yeah. <laughs> and so that she didn't really have that shoved through her mouth. <laughs> So yeah, it was all back in the eighties. Yeah, um, if you're interested in more about Cannibal Holocaust, Wikipedia—it's a fucking interesting story. I, I did it as they a, should actually do a, an entire documentary. They should do a movie based on that story. Oh yeah, all the shit that guy had to go through afterwards. Yeah, he, he was literally brought up on murder charges. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the movie just keeps having another action sequence, another action sequence. Um, you know, John Goodman's character. What do you think of John Goodman's character? He's fine. Yeah, he's good in it. He's, he's good. always good. He's always good. I, I thought that, um, I don't know, I kind of wish his character didn't go out as quickly as he did. I like the way, I. you know, I liked it because... It was unexpected? It, well, it was unexpected, uh, it, but it was kind of expected. Uh-huh. The funny thing was is that, you know, um, who who played the, uh, the... His nerdy sidekick? No, no, not Dr. <laughs> the The helicopter pilot that, that said... Um, you know that was un, that was a unexpected confrontation. Oh, Shea Wiggum's character. Yeah, Shea Wiggum. Okay, so so he lights a cigarette because he just doesn't give a shit anymore, right? Yeah. And they have all these fucking um, methane pits, is basically what they are. Yeah. And and he lights a cigarette. And one of the guys says, "Dude, come on. Yeah. You're gonna fucking kill us all." Mm-hmm. And he flicks, you know, if he flicks the cigarette, the, the methane pit goes off. Yeah. And Goodman goes, dumb sons of bitches, or whatever he says, you know, fucking stupid, right? Yeah. And he's, he's as he's taking pictures with a flash bulb. Yeah. Which is almost the same thing. It, it requires it, it requires um, a little bit of heat, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> and the flash bulb gets stuck. And it's just going off. Right. Yep. And he realizes that and he's he like, oh up. shit. Yeah. And then he knew he was gonna. He knew something was behind him, and the fucking thing eats him. Yeah. And all you see for the next is a minute, minute and a half. About yeah. Is the fucking just just like the uh, the the big dinosaur in Jurassic Park Jurassic, Three. Yeah. With the with the cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this one is yeah. the flash bulbs going off yeah. inside. But as he totally swallows reminded it, me of that. You, you totally did. Yeah. As he swallows John Goodman, all you see is the flash. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You could hear it, yeah, <laughs> which was actually pretty good. So yeah, cool. his his death in the movie was poignant because <laughs> he generally survives in most movies, yeah, except for Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> and but that was that's a whole different story. So with with Kong Skull Island, the way that Goodman has everything set up, yeah, um, he. He does such a good goddamn job every time he's in a movie. It doesn't fucking matter yeah, what it he, is. You believe his character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he sells you that he's really looking for monsters. He's not just some crazy fucking kook. You know, he's he's he knows what he's talking about. He buys into his roles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like it you know what's funny is his character goes out in a very similar way to how Samuel Jackson's character went out in uh, Deep Blue Sea. Right. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Um yeah, you know the the whole uh, lead up to oh, dude, uh, Shea Wiggum was in American Hustle and The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, he's um, he played um, and Star Trek. I Beyond. purposely put him um, Agent Carter because um, he played Agent Carter's boss for seven episodes. Fuck, Death Note's coming out as a movie. Yeah, uh, it's going to be an Americanized version. Of yeah, it. that's why I said Death Note's coming out as a movie. Yeah, thanks for yeah, sure. let me know. Shut up. Shut up. Fucking jerk, <laughs> you piss me off. 
right. So yeah, it's um, look, I, we can talk all over and over about this movie, uh, but there's, it, it is what it is, man. It's just a, it's just a straight start to finish action extravaganza. You know, it. Um, Tom Hiddleston's character, I liked him, but he he felt out of place. Like like you know what's this thing? Like a man out of time. His character didn't feel like he was right for the time period he was in. You know what I mean? Even though his character was, you know, did what he was supposed to do, like the whole sequence where he's in the green, the green mist, you know, the green smoke, and he's fucking doing the ninja katana shit. Right. That was fucking cool, and it was fun. But still, when he when he was talking about things, and when he was just there, I, he just didn't feel like he was supposed to be there to me. I don't know. I, it's hard to describe it. Does, does that does that make any kind of sense to you? He yeah. F- he felt really out of place there. Is that a monkey? Like, like he felt more like he, um, like I could see his character being in like a, a 90s version of this movie or a 2000s or, or a modern day version of this movie, but not in the 1973 version. It just didn't feel right. But it's still, it's not detrimental to seeing this movie. It's it, like I said, it does what it's supposed to do, which is entertain you like a summer movie is supposed to do. Uh, I gave it a seven out of 10. Okay. Which is, you know, that's good. I, I think that yeah. makes it good. It, and it's definitely worth seeing. It's a fun movie. Um, uh, what'd you give it? What would you give it? I was going to give it an eight. Okay. All right. Well, good, good, man. Yeah. And the movie's funny. It's got plenty of funny parts in it. And, uh, and, uh, these see. are the fucking quotes from Kong Skull Island. Like, bitch, please. The plane, the planet doesn't belong to us. Where's the dude that said, you know, yeah, and there wasn't this many in there before when I looked. I'm going to stab you by the end of the night. You, <laughs> yeah, that you're joking, a... right? Yeah, maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> Who's winning the war? Which one? That makes sense, I guess. Oh, yeah. that You know what? Samuel Jackson did say, bitch, please, to her. Oh, yeah, when she started going into the, we're all part of this planet, bitch, yeah. please. Yeah. That was actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's it right there. The world is bigger than this. Bitch, please. Yeah. Okay, the movie uh, currently holds an approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 80%. Um, I think last week it was at 83, and then a few days ago it went down to like 78, but now it's it's sitting at 80, which, hey, four, four out of five movie critics can't be wrong, right? Right. So, yeah, I don't know if they uh, put extra quote. Yeah, they definitely put more extra quotes in here. Um, uh, here it is. Oh, no, it's not. Shit. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> I know. That's all of them. Shit. I swear, that's... I sw- it is so goddamn funny, that, that movie quote. It was a perfect fucking quote for that scene. You know, that was an unconventional encounter. Right. <laughs> <or something. laughs> and, and it's just so goddamn nonchalant. Yeah, exactly. No quotes approved. Fucking A. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, we both uh, highly recommend seeing uh, Kong Skull Island. It is a fun movie. And, uh, you know, I, I might have talked a lot of shit about it in my, my, my movie review that I wrote for it, but it was mostly in good fun. You know, it just knocking a few things, but all in all, worth seeing. This is such shit. Ranker. So I'm on Ranker.com. Uh-huh. Th- these are their top ten quotes from fucking from Kong Skull Island. They already did the top ten quotes. Man is king. If we make it back, bring that ape down. We got to save Kong. That's a fucking movie quote. That's a top ten. Fuck you. What? A geological mapping mission. I call them skull crawlers. That one, the, is, that, is a that a monkey? Yeah. <laughs> we don't belong here. Monsters exist. No shit. Uh, Mike, do you want to know why this is a good website? No. Because you clicked on it. No, I no, I. So they're I successful. Away from it. You still clicked on it. They so still what? got their fucking click, man. Who cares? All right. 
Dude, I love that scene, the whole, you know, the apocalypse now thing where um, you can see the reflection of all the bombing in that guy's sunglasses and it's slowly panning into his face. Yeah. That was fucking cool, man. He's got the smile going on. Yeah. That was straight up. That reminded me like of a Kubrick kind of style, like a, like a Stanley Kubrick, uh, uh, Dr. Strange love or something mixed with apocalypse now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm annoyed. I, that, that's that fucking quote. Oh, that was, was dumb. So goddamn. Oh, that quote's fucking great. It'll, it'll eventually show up on the IMDb, dude. Just, I just, I guess just not now. You can keep looking for it if you want to, but, um, anyway, that, that's, that's our, that's our take on, uh, you know, King Kong, uh, or I'm sorry, Kong Skull Island, uh, Next time we will see him is going to probably be, like I said, in 2012. Uh, when they 2012? Have, tw- I'm all over the place. 2020. Or 1220. Right. Or 2020. Yeah. 2012. <laughs> I can't even see the proper year in 2020. <coughs> so, yeah. 2020 is supposed to be King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, all right. Let's let's uh, let's get into our uh, flicks of the week. Okay. All right. My film is... Um, I had a bunch of movies. I was deciding on what I was going to do this week, and... I decided on, on talking about one that actually needs it should be seen by people that love World War II and Schindler's List type things. Um, it's called Conspiracy. Uh, it was it was on HBO in two thousand one. Um, it's they did it in collaboration with BBC Films, and uh, it stars Kenneth Branagh, Stanley Tucci, and Colin Firth. And this is um, you know look Stanley Tucci's been a, a good character actor for a long time. But when you if you go back to 2001, that's 15, you know, 16 years ago. Most people, a lot of people, didn't know Stanley Tucci. I mean, yeah, certain people that know movies, they know Stanley Tucci, of course, like from Pelican Brief and stuff like that. But I'm talking about like like the average Joe. You fucking brought up the Pelican Brief of all the Stanley Tucci movies he's been in. In the past. I'm talking about before 2001. You brought up the fucking Pelican Brief. Okay. Well, yeah, because you know he, I remembered him being in that. He's in a Buffalo film in that movie. Um, <laughs> I had to. I had to think of something before 2001, man. Don't be a dick. Undercover Blues, Prelude to a Kiss, Beethoven, Pritzi's Honor. He was in the core. <laughs> Fear, anxiety, and depression. Billy Bathgate. Um. Anyway, Mike. <laughs> Fucking keep naming off Stanley Tucci. And it doesn't matter because we're doing this review in 2017. So before 1992. Yeah. Well. Anyway, God damn it. Shut up. I'm going off of what I know, motherfucker. Kit Kittredge. All right. So this movie is about the Wansee Conference. The Wansee Wan- is in is, is is a suburb of Berlin. It is uh it's set in nineteen forty two. This is based off of witness accounts and also a a document that was supposed to be files that were supposed to be destroyed that most most people had their copies destroyed, but it was found um, in nineteen forty five. Um, or later on, no, it was like 47 when they were doing the Nuremberg investigations and stuff. Um, anyway, the Wansi, um conference was about the quote-unquote Jewish question, which for Nazi Germany was them figuring out what they wanted to fully do with the Jews, which it ends up becoming the final solution, uh, which means the death of every Jew in Europe. Um, here's the thing about this movie. It is so well done because... The whole entire film is inside this building, the Wansi, the Wansi, um, you know, uh, I, it's a museum now. It's a Holocaust museum, but it, whatever, I can't remember what. It's just a Court. huge mansion. It's a huge mansion, and um, can't, there's this meeting of all of the, uh, what is it? The uh, I don't see this. The I don't public see the final solution on here. Well, it's called conspiracy. 
I don't see that on here. Well, because it's a TV movie, so you got to go to a TV um, television stuff. Okay, it'll be two thousand. Yeah, see. So he played. Uh, yeah, Stanley Tucci plays Adolf Eichmann, which is one of the top guys in the ASS. Um, anyway. Yeah, Kenneth Branagh. So the whole movie is about um, Stanley Tucci's character, played by Adolf Eichmann of the SS, and another character named Heidrich, who was played by Kenneth Branagh. Um, they're both members of the SS in different sects of it, sects <laughs> of it, and they um, they bring together all of these um, public officials, these high-ranking public officials, and all these different you know forms of of government, um, and they're trying to uh, talk to everybody about what they think should be done with all these Jews that they've rounded up now and put into ghettos. And here's the thing as you're watching this movie. This movie's 96 minutes, and the uh, from what I understand historically, the Wanzi conference was it was approximately 90 minutes long. So this whole movie is pretty much trying to capture that, um, that whole 90 minutes. Um, all of these officials show up under Tucci's and, 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 um, and Brana's, um, you know, ordering. And they're talking about this and what's funny well not funny what's startling about this film is that when it starts off you think that you know if you don't know a whole lot of the intricacies of the of the whole final solution thing is that when they're talking about this they're making it sound like they hadn't made the decision yet to to murder all the jews instead it was just like you know what what to do with using them but as He's talking to all these public officials about this, and they're all giving their opinions. Some are for, some are against it in one way or another. Um, you can tell that he's making them think that they're, um, you know, this is Brana's character. He's making them all think that they're all a part of this decision-making, but the farther along you go, you realize that this has already all been planned. It was been planned by Hitler, who purposely made sure that he did. Um, it's denied to anyone who keeps any kind of records. Because he did, I, for some reason, he didn't want it out there that he um, any kind of record keeping of, of him trying to right. exterminate all Jews. So, um, um, Brana's character is so manipulative, where he's this cold, calculating guy who never breaks uh, eye contact with whoever he's talking to, um, and he stares daggers into whoever he's talking to. So, if anyone is doing anything that tries to, you know, make any kind of suggestion that goes goes into a different direction than what he's already planned. He's already ready to correct them. He's he's and 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 deal with them. And you can see the the the, the this deathly stare in his eyes that that you better fucking agree with him because otherwise um, you're not going to be in your position for much longer. Pretty much kind of thing. So um, it just the movie's fascinating because yeah, by the time you get to the end of it, everyone's on board, right? Supposedly. But the thing is, there's like three or four characters, one of them being Colin first character that you can tell deep down, like he's been convinced his whole life or most of his life that, that, that Jews are not as good as Germans. Right. But he doesn't believe you can tell by what he's trying to do that he doesn't believe that they should be exterminated. He just believes that they should be deported or whatever. Um, but you see that he starts agreeing with everything. Um, but you can tell there's a reluctance there, but he has to, he has to agree with this shit because otherwise he's either going to disappear or he's going to lose his position and everything else. And so all these people, the, 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 most of them, like I said, most of them are like, Oh yes. You know, you know, quote unquote, fuck the Jews. They don't say those words exactly, but it all ends up being that. And it just, the way 
the way the film is made, it how it, it shows like the preparation of the dinner where everyone, you know, before everyone gets there, how everything's all delicate and all these servants are making everything so nice. And then after everyone has gone, how the servants start eating up the extra food and stuff after everyone's gone. And, hmm. and it's like even the German citizens are fucking slaves. They're already being treated like the Jews in a way too because they're, they're so scared of anyone that's affiliated with the Nazis that that they have to conform in every single way whatsoever. And everyone's everyone's a slave in Nazi Germany, you know, that isn't a soldier. And even the soldiers are slaves, but they don't believe they are, right? Um, this is a very good movie. It, it, it's it's just a it's just drama. There is no action in this entire film. It is all just good dialogue. I highly recommend it. It's on HBO on demand called Conspiracy. Um, cool. Yeah, Stanley Tucci is just this cold the whole time. When he's even talking about history of his character with um, dealing with Jews, it's like you think that he'd, there'd be like a sentimentality because he always talks about them in a sentimental way. But then all of a sudden, the end result is always this cold reality of like he well he'd still execute him and everything like that. And and he like he's like it's just scary. It's just scary how easily these people convince themselves of what they were doing was right. Yeah, you know, for the sake of mankind, quote unquote. So yeah, conspiracy. I, I highly recommend seeing. It won a bunch of Emmys too, a bunch of uh, for Brana and for Tucci, um, and Colin Firth is excellent in it. So, and there's a lot of other British actors in there that play Germans in it as well. So, anyway, check it out. <laughs> you hear the pen drop? <laughs> Mic drop. Mine is Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack. I look sue me, but I have only seen them the first episode, and I was doing something while I was watching it. Um, I, I should off. I should commit more time to this because I've heard I've never heard anyone say anything negative about this show. Um, I just I, I just haven't gotten into it yet. But you know I've got nothing negative to say about it at all. Good because this is my review. <laughs> well, this is I for the give a fuck less about this what is you for think. the resurgence of Samurai Jack, right? Yeah, the newest season. The new season. I gotta look up. Man, were you listening up when I was doing my conspiracy? Man? I did. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So, it, this is kind of cool. Gennady, uh, or Gendy Tartakovsky, who created Samurai Jack for Cartoon Network, uh-huh. it ran for four seasons. It's now, it's come back for its fifth season. Um, I don't know if it's going to run beyond the fifth season. Gendy also did the Clone Wars cartoon series, which was a, a, a bunch of these five-minute little cartoon episodes where uh, we got to meet General Grievous. We got to see how he got, you know, the cough and all this other stuff. It was actually really, really good. The new season of Samurai Jack is amazing. Um, it's 50 years into the future. Um, Jack hasn't aged. And we pick up with him saving um, uh, two females from these bugs. Uh-huh. And all he does is fight. That's all he's ever done. He's, he's since lost his sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, a coup, uh, when when he defeated a coup, and Phil, well, I didn't know Phil Lamar was doing the voice of Jack. I, I knew Phil Lamar was in the the series. I just didn't know he was doing Jack. <laughs> That's cool. Um, it's done by where are they going with this? the The series picks up with Jack still lamenting the fact that when he killed a coup, uh-huh. the portal closed. He couldn't go back in time. Yeah. Couldn't go back to his home. So he's battling those demons. Um, he doesn't really have a home. He's a wandering samurai. He's a ronin. Okay. Okay. Uh, he's got he's got full armor. He doesn't have a sword, like I said, anymore. Uh, unfortunately, 
uh, Mako, the guy that did the original voice of a coup, yeah, died. So they have this new guy named Greg Baldwin who's mimicking the original voice. Here's the difference: there is now acolytes of a coup, and they're all female. So in in the series, it starts off. Oh, it's I'm sorry. Um, it's done by Adult Swim now, uh-huh. so it's got more adult themes in it, which can show different. You can show people getting injured and, and killed and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it shows the head of the acolytes of a coup giving birth to seven, seven children who are all going to become assassins. Yeah. Right. But one of them is not fully vested. I should say, when she's young, she notices. Because they they live in this, like, castle. And in the castle, all they do is just train and train and train and train. So one of the young ones spots this little sliver of sunlight. And she goes and she's looking out into this wide, wide world where it's all colors instead of just black and reds. Yeah. It's all these beautiful colors. And and her mother says, you know, hey, uh, enjoy. And they're, they're called the daughters of a coup. Enjoy all that a coup has created for you, right? Yeah. But know that he is out there and your job is to kill the samurai. So she knocks the kid down and says, punish her, right? Yeah. To drive out this goodness in her and because she wants them all just deadly assassins. Well, <clears throat> um, Jack, as he is basically running from his demons, spots... Uh, smoke in the in the distance yeah and he's avoiding it and avoiding it and avoiding it as these demons are 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 coming at him not real demons his 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 imaginary demons Mm. are coming after him and telling him what a useless piece of trash he is basically okay for uh not following through on what he said he was going to do you know never returning to the past we're all dying we're all burning in hell you know we're all part of we're we we've all been sucked into a coup's plant. Yeah. Right. And you you are the one that's responsible for all this. You are the one that's at fault for not saving us. Yeah. And he decides, okay, I've had enough of this. He goes towards this village because that's what he does is he saves all these people. And <laughs> uh, he meets up with quote unquote a coup's number one assassin, who is basically a robot parody of. Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> and it's fucking cool. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang with these cats. Yeah. Hey buddy, how you doing? I'm gonna hang with these cats. Scaramooch is his name. It's done by Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny. And <laughs> Gary. Yeah. Um they have Greg Griffin who does the high priestess. If you don't know who Greg Griffin is, she does Daphne and a bunch of others. Okay. Uh Carrie Walgren, who does a bunch of additional voices. She's also in Rick and Morty and okay. all this other stuff. <clears throat> Um, when, <laughs> how are you doing, babe? <laughs> That's all I could think of. So, so when Jack shows up, he's like, hey, babe, how are you doing? <laughs> I did all this for you. You know, yeah. I, I, I destroyed, I wiped out this entire town just to drag you out of nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, did you lose your sword, babe? <laughs> you know, and it just goes on like that. It's, it's these two fighting, you know, and he's and and Scaramouche has this magical flute. And this magical flute creates this big fucking rock giant. Okay. So Jack destroys the rock giant, right? And then, it you know, it's, and Scaramouche is still playing the, the flute, right? <laughs> and the rock giant comes back to life because it's just an inanimate object, right? Yeah. 
because so well, Jack knocks the first head off. So another head come comes from a piece of rock pile, and it as soon as it touches its neck, it becomes this angry face. Okay, this is really cool. So Jack beats it and fucking destroys it. And in the middle of destroying it, he also breaks the magical flute. Yeah. And Scaramouche is like, okay, babe, I guess I'm going to have to fight you now. But hold on a second. Let me call a coup here and let me tell you. Let me tell you, babe, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> He's like, boopy doop 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 right? He literally says that. Yeah. He's like, um, he pulls out his cell phone and goes, boop doop 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 and someone picks up that sounds like a coup, and he's all, hey, babe, how you doing, a coup? How's everything? It's your number one Scaramouche assassin guy, right? Yeah. Fucking, fucking, <laughs> you hear on the other end someone go, who is this? Yeah. And it, it's it's supposed to be a coup's voice, I guess. Yeah. You know? I can't hear you. Who is this? Mm. You know? Who's calling me? And, and Jack throws something and breaks the phone. And it shows the phone on the ground and him saying, who is this? Right? And it cuts away. So we don't know if he actually called a coup and a coup is still alive mm-hmm. or if he's just full of shit and he doesn't understand that Jack killed a coup. You know, nobody knows except for the acolytes and the daughters of a coup. Yeah. And that's it. Everybody else still believes that a coup's alive and ruling this world, right? Yeah. So this whole fight happens and as they're going along, like I said, Jack doesn't have his sword anymore, and Scaramouche is like, oh, hey, babe, you still don't have your sword. I must have lost it somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know? Beepity-bop-boop-boop. <laughs> and it's so well done. Yeah. The, the animation is incredible. The backgrounds all look... If you're a fan of of um, uh, Looney Tunes, Maurice... Uh, LaMarche? No, not Maurice LaMarche. <laughs> uh he does all the backgrounds for. He did all the backgrounds for Chuck Jones. Uh, I'll look it up here. Looney Tunes. I think it's Mar- Maurice Jones, but it's it's not Looney Tunes background art artiste. It's uh, come on, that's not Paul Julian. He always were Maurice Noble. That's it. So Maurice Noble did all these background pieces. If you can see, mm-hmm. like he did. Uh, It'll clear up. Yeah. The if you if you if you've ever watched like um. The Barber of Seville, <laughs> you know, the, those animations uh, where uh, Daffy Duck plays Robin Hood uh-huh. or when um, when Porky Pig and Sylvester the Cat are staying in the haunted house, uh-huh. you know, those pieces of art or, you know, Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century. What about like Pepe Le Pew in France, <laughs> those backgrounds? You do anything like that? Uh, he may have, but mostly like he he's done all the... Uh, uh, the Ralph Phillips stuff. Okay. Anything that Chuck Jones worked on, Maurice Noble worked on. So if Chuck Jones worked on <laughs> Pepe Le Pew, he's done that. But most of most of Maurice's stuff is very esoteric. Okay. It, it's very colorful and very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <coughs> um, Off key? No. Awkward. Angled. Mm. Different. You know, I mean, look, there's, you see the little heart-shaped rocks yeah, there. like a little offbeat. It's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's so, it's artsy. Yeah, it's, it's exaggerated, it's, uh. Yeah, it's, it's, uh. It's like controlled Picasso. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, you see, like, smoke coming out of a, uh, a, a, a volcano, but it's not, like, it, it's, it's not colored smoke, like, usually grays or whatever. Yeah. It's just pencil drawings. Like, that could literally just be misinterpreted for a spring. A bunch of springs yeah, coming out, yeah. Exactly. And that's 
that's Maurice Noble's designs. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was always a bit off center with his designs because doing anything that's photorealistic or whatever, yeah. <coughs> while beautiful, if you just tweak it a bit, makes it even better. And his use of color and shadows and everything else just made everything that he did that much more noticeable for his backgrounds. Yeah. You know, kill the wabbit, right? <laughs> <clears throat> well, <laughs> that's kind of how Samurai Jack is, and especially in the newer stuff. Like, I was looking at the backgrounds as he's driving through this forest. It's like an autumn yeah, type of thing going on, and all the trees are all turning yellow, or all the leaves are turning yellow on the trees. And as he's driving through this forest, it's just this blanket. And the way that they have it set up looks like a beautiful painting. Yeah. You know? Uh, a, a Maurice Noble style painting where you can actually see the brush strokes, right? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Again. So as I'm watching this and he goes into this battle with Scaramouche, Scaramouche is all blues. Well, he's like a robot. Fandango? Yeah. He's all blues in, in robot colors with a, with a couple of reds involved with his cape and everything else. Mm-hmm. And Samurai Jack is all these same. He's like a robot monster type of thing. He's got these grays. He's got this armor on that's really heavy. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and as they start fighting, Scaramouche pulls out this dagger, and he's able to split it in half. <coughs> Fuck! And he can tap it on anything, and it creates this sound. And that sound can basically destroy things. So... As he's fighting with with Jack, he hits one of Jack's daggers, and the dagger explodes in his hand. Yeah. He has to throw it away. And then as he's advancing, he hits his dagger, and he's explaining what the dagger does. He hits his dagger on a rock, and part of the rock, you know, disintegrates. Yeah. So they keep fighting, and he's he's blocking and all this other stuff. And as, as it happens, he hits the other dagger in Samurai Jack's left hand. And it's starting to ring. It's starting to ring louder and louder and louder. And and Scaramouche is monologuing. <laughs> you know, hey, babe, I finally got you. I'm going to kill the Samurai Jack, right? Yeah. I'm going to kill the biggest battle Samurai around. Blah, 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 blah. And Jack t- takes the dagger and fucking wings it at him as he's not paying attention. Yeah. And Scaramouche says something like, oh, babe, you got me. You know? Mm. Pow! And the fucking thing explodes and kills him, right? And yeah. then he, and as he picks up the dagger... He puts it in his thing and rides off into the sunset. <laughs> the whole thing is basically split into three acts. Jack, or well, yeah, it's four acts really. Jack, the intro- reintroduction of Jack, and these as he's you know the the very first sequences these bugs that we have normally seen with Samurai Jack. All these robots are attacking a town, and he saves people from the town. And we've seen these characters before in the first series and, you know, the first four seasons of Samurai Jack. Yeah. Uh, the characters that he saves in this sense are little characters that are kind of, that are very similar, again, to um, uh, Looney Tunes. If you've ever seen um, the Chuck Jones, uh, uh, the, it's the short where the kid, the, the, t- the two kids get swapped, one from Mars, one from Earth. Yeah. And one's called Yob, and one's called Mott, mm. Tom and Boy, right? And Yob is a little alien that talks with his antennas, right? And you hear that doot, 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 yeah. doot, 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 and then you see the little, you know, question marks or whatever else like that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this very similar characters are the are two, well, you know, a, a mother and a daughter, 
and they're surrounded by these bugs and they're as they're just about to get killed by these bugs you know they i love you with the little do 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 right <laughs> and then jack comes on the scene and kills all these fucking they look like pill bugs is what they look okay kills these bugs these these Roly mechanized po- roly polies yeah these recognize these mechanized beetles yeah <laughs> and then he rides off right and he and, still doesn't have a sword no, he's he's lost his sword. He just has the dagger. He lost his sword at the end of season four. Yeah, when he killed a coup, and it fell into the into the uh, the portal. Okay. So that's part of the whole process of him coming back from the past. What if a coup has his sword? Yeah, and that's who knows because we've only seen thirty. I've only seen thirty minutes of this. Yeah. But Jesus, and I've I've talked probably as much as as long as the episode is. <laughs> I love what Gendy Tartakovsky does. It is so well done. This is even better. Samurai Jack is really good, and I have that series. But this is amazing, and I really, really enjoy the fact that they brought Samurai Jack back. And they, they didn't fuck around with it. Yeah, they no, they didn't make it. They they put it on Adult Swim on purpose so they could, you know, uh, amp up the... The violence. Well, not the violence, but the adult content. Mm-hmm. That Because Samurai Jack is one of those cartoons that begs for a more adult audience mm. you know like cowboy bebop or or family guy or whatever you yeah. know it's that's two ends of the extreme but that's exactly what i'm talking about is there's an audience for this yeah and now that we've gotten older you know the people that have watched the, it's grown I mean, with it's, his audience it's been fucking how long almost 20 years it hasn't been that long i think it ended in the early 2000s didn't it it's been like mid. 10 or 15 years since uh uh, um, the original series came out. So yeah, there's I have to look it up. Whenever the last, whenever season four ended, which was it's right here, two thousand three. Fuck. So it's, it's been, been a decade. Yeah, it's been fourteen years since Samurai Jack, and uh, well, the end of oh four. So yeah. Well, Tartakovsky has also worked on other it's things. It's been over twelve years. Yeah. So it's a long time to bring something back. <laughs> yeah, he worked on. A couple of things like Dexter's Laboratory, the Powerpuff Girls movie. Uh, oh, yeah, he was also involved in that little thing called Hotel Transylvania. Huh. Uh, he's working on Hotel Transylvania 3. Yeah. He started off with Tiny Toons Adventure <laughs> and uh, Batman the Animated Series. So he's he's really cow and chicken, the grim adventures of Billy and Mandy. Steven Universe, he was a timing director for the pilot. <laughs> so... You know, all of these things that... A lot of Emmys, shit. Yeah, well... Mostly nominations, Nominated. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight wins. But, yeah. And even if you don't like Hotel Transylvania, I mean, it's very... It's very Gendy Tartakovsky in terms of of style. Yeah, we didn't have a problem with it. Like, with the second one, we didn't have a problem with the... With the actual visual on it, it no, was, the visuals were never an issue. It's it was just a story. Yeah, you know the story and and, and some of the characters. Yeah. He was also working on uh, a Popeye movie. Okay, or the Popeye movie, and walked away from it. Huh. So, all right. So this one, this uh, season of Samurai Jack, this resurgence is way better than the Powerpuff Girls uh, resurgence. Oh my god, yeah. All right. Yeah, Powerpuff Girls. Craig McCracken has nothing to do with the new Powerpuff Girls. So the the creator of the series, you know. Is not even, it, not even involved. With is it. not even involved. They just said, "Hey, we're going to do this," and oh, okay. that's that. Look at that. God, he's got a schnoz. Look at that. It's fucking. Looks like he could play a fucking Shrek ogre. 
<laughs> fucking straight just, up, dude. Just color them green. Yeah, just get them fucking <coughs> super, super drunk sick, man. It look like a Shrek. Yeah. Um, he did Powerpuff Girls <laughs> Rule 19. Yeah, he's if you look, he's working on Wander Over Yonder, if you've ever seen that. He worked on Regular Show and Uncle Grandpa and Chowder, which is really funny. And uh, that's it. So Chowder was really good. All right, so. So I, I highly recommend... Uh, is it Powerpuff Gals? No. I highly <laughs> recommend Samurai Jack. If you've never seen it, go out and get the DVD set. Yeah. Or watch it however you want to watch They've it. Got, I believe every episode is available on Hulu. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I think it's also available on Netflix. It could be. I yeah. think it is. So, um, yeah, and then season five is still currently on TV. Um, they haven't aired all the episodes, of course, yet. So we'll uh, you just have to see if they're available when they're available. So. Uh, yeah, so Craig McCracken never gave... I never officially gave the Powerpuff Girls reboot my blessing. I just understood the business reality that I had no power to stop it from being made. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of like uh, uh, you know similar to the whole uh, oh god, I'm brain farting his fucking name. Walking Dead, Frank Darabont. Right. <laughs> kind of like the Darabont thing, but well, he was kicked off while he was making the baby. This guy just wasn't even asked to come back. Well, it's owned by Cartoon Network. They own the rights and the characters. He doesn't. Yeah. So they can do what they want with him. Yeah, and they apparently they didn't want the quality. They didn't give a fuck about that. They they just well, look, the Powerpuff Girls is there is no such thing as bad quality with that because it's actually high quality. It it's designed for seven to ten year old kids. That's what it's designed for. There's there's a couple of little adult things in there, but 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 oh, I mean, if you had to compare them, you there, you would pick Samurai Jack over that every fucking day of the week. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. See. And I think that that's the, that's the point of bringing back the guy who fucking made it, his baby. So, um, all right. So with news, uh, news. There's not a whole lot of news. Uh, mostly just movie trailers, man. Uh, first, I want to talk about uh, all the trailers that came out in the past week. Uh, the new uh, Shalice Theron um, spy chick movie, uh, Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde, man. That looks like a badass movie, you know, Toby Jones and uh, James McAvoy. Um, who else is in that trailer? I don't know. Uh, well, she John makes, Goodman. John Goodman. She makes out with a hot chick, or more than makes out. <laughs> the French operative. Uh, ooh la la. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it looks badass. <laughs> the action looks well done. I believe it is directed by um, by the co-director of the first John Wick, who did not return for the second one, because I think because he was making this movie. Right. Um but yeah, you can tell the, the 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 level of action that's put into the uh, the the choreography of the fighting and the style. It's very um to me. I, I get a Luke Besson feel from it, um, you know, like a like a La Femme Nikita kind of thing. Yeah, David is it Leach? David Leach? Yeah, yeah. And Kurt uh, Johnstad. Yeah, um, it's based on a graphic novel called The Coldest City. Yeah, and also I'm I, I kind of get a little bit of a hardcore Henry vibe from it. No, the, the, okay. some of the style, some of the style. Um, from like some of the, the the camera angles and also the the title, it just it, for some reason it reminds me of a uh, sure. Fuck you! <laughs> Holy shit, that is Sophia Butella. Yeah, I it it. it who else did you th- say it was? I thought it was a chick from the Mummy. Yeah, no, well, no, it's not. It's, maybe she got a chin job because her chin used to be more prominent. Oh, that's right. She's in the Mummy. Huh? Go figure. All right, whatever, Mister Fucking Noel. Jesus. I didn't know she was. It didn't look like her. I know. I, I all I said was, "Man, that looks like the chick from the Mummy." And you're like, "Oh no, it's not." <laughs> so, all right. Uh, 
anyway, like, that, you did say that. Atomic Blonde looks fucking good. That's yeah, coming out this summer. Uh, the the Wonder Woman finally had a full on trailer that wasn't a teaser, um, which looks pretty good. It does. It looks like if it can stand apart from what they've been doing with the other, um, you know, shared uh, fucking DC universe of movies. It looks. It look to me. It looks like DC's version of Captain America, the first Captain America movie. But oh, uh, but yeah. I mean, this movie has the opportunity to to be the first good DC movie that they've had. You know. The opportunity. The opportunity. And but like I said, until Keyword. you until you show me better than Suicide Squad, I I, I don't know. Dude Suicide Yeah, you know, Suicide Squad. Suicide. Yeah. Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, Suicide Squad isn't I mean, that movie is not as good as we thought it was the first time we saw it. You know what I mean? It loses its flavor every with every viewing. I've seen it like three or four times and it yeah, it's it's just an okay movie with some cool moments in it. Um so yeah, uh, but Wonder Woman looks like I mean tr- preview wise looks like it's going to be you know better. All right, um, <laughs> it was that fucking uh, the funny moment when we're when we get to uh, go see Skull Island and we're sitting there watching the uh, the previews for movies that are coming out this summer and there's this movie called Geostorm that they're showing you know fuck that movie. where where all of these fucking all uh, the, these satellites that control the weather now it turns against us and it starts to create and all, all I'm seeing is these huge waves and all these fucking tornadoes and all this bullshit and I'm like and I lean over to you and I I go it looks like another fucking Roland Emmerich movie and then right sure shit. literally right after I said it his fucking name pops up and I'm like you motherfucker! Look, I'm all for these huge apocalyptic, you know, fuck you movies to Earth and all that other shit, <laughs> and, and, and you know the mass killing of people. And yeah, fine if it's done well. But if you're just going to remake the same fucking movie, yeah, every three years, then get out of the business. Fucking god! And look, I guarantee you, <coughs> this movie's going to make at least half a billion. Just like I don't want to see it. Just like 2012. I'm fucking. I am not fucking interested in seeing this movie. Not at all. Anyway, and then they also had a storm movie that came out a year ago. Remember yeah. that one? I don't even remember the fucking name of San it. San Andreas. <laughs> no, no, no. That was the earthquake movie. I'm talking about the with the storms. It was into, it was into the storm. That's what it was fucking okay. called. Yeah. You know, fuck these movies and fuck Roland Emmerich and fuck everyone who keeps giving this motherfucker money. All right. Yeah, I'm just. I'm. We're we're all fucking done with this shit. Or at least you and I are. Yeah. I'm, Look, I don't want to see another Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> no. And it's really heartbreaking because the new Adam Sandler movie that's coming out where he plays a fucking movie agent. Yeah. Of, of, he's a he's a shyster. Uh-huh. But he's he's his, he's his movie agent who uh, sticks with all of his clients till the very end until they like fire him. Yeah. After, and then they make it big. Yeah. Right? Like the Supermensch. Yeah. That's pretty much what yeah. it is. And and I'm like, God damn it, he finally makes a decent movie uh-huh. and fuck him. But you've already given the finger. I yeah. It's it, I will not see another Adam Sandler movie in my life. It's the third of his four picture deal with Netflix. Yeah. Um well you you watch it for free. I mean, fuck it. It's not like we're gonna I'm not gonna review it. No, about because it. it so costs money. <laughs> what two hours of you? Yeah, you t- it costs two hours of my goddamn time plus electricity and your soul. Yeah, another uh, piece of my soul gets wilted away. You know what? I will in no way try to convince you to fucking watch it. I no, might if I'm I, not. I might if if I see another trailer and it looks like it might be, I might give it a shot. I'm, but I've got a lot of other movies I got to catch up on anyway. So. I'm I'm done with I'm done with Adam Sandler. 
and I'm done with Roland Emmerich. I'm not going to go see Independence Day Part Three. Yeah, fuck you. I'm I'm done with this bullshit. I want to see more shit like John Wick or Atomic Blonde or, or you know, Kong Skull Island or whatever. I want to see more good shit. I want to. See, I'm, dude. I really, I really yearn for the days of the late seventies and early eighties. You know, even whatever it doesn't matter between the sixties and like eighty four. Yeah, where movie studios just fucking put movies out. And it didn't matter what the fucking movie was, like House, like House t- would never get made today. Yeah, and it, and it was it was a fucking good concept movie, and of course it'll get a reboot or whatever, and it'll suck because they'll take away all the fucking writing credit and 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 just put in all the the actiony parts, like Ghostbusters. Yeah, <laughs> and I like I like Paul. What is was the director? Oh, they were gonna say Paul Blart. <laughs> no. <laughs> And that's another guy I'm done with, fucking yeah. Kevin James. No, he's done. Um, uh, Paul Feig. Oh, okay. Whoever directed Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you that the movie that he wrote is not the movie that we saw. Yeah. And the movie that he wrote was more along the lines of the original Ghostbusters. I wouldn't doubt it. And the fucking studio got involved and said, we need action, 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 action. Just put in all the action. Don't fucking... Don't don't do this. This is a, this is like a quick statement on 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 the entertainment industry as a whole. I was given I was running my grandma on some errands the other day, and uh, I, I always put it on a Pandora station for her to listen to. I usually put it on either the Frank Sinatra station or the Johnny Cash station, and it always plays. So this time I put on Johnny Cash, and it plays a whole lot of classic country songs like uh, Sixteen Tons and and. What and, you get? And, and yeah, another day older. Fucking love that song. Um, Lauren Green songs and 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 Hank Williams songs. Oh, Lauren and, Green and Wayne Waylon Jennings and all this other. I mean, she loves stuff like you know, like uh, you know the the was it the uh, God damn it the Countrymen. You know the Highwaymen. The Highwaymen. Yeah. Um, the stuff like that, man. It just great shit. Yeah, I, they were actually a good band. And I, as I'm listening to these songs, these songs that I grew up with because because of my grandma, I I, I noticed even more during this these errands. While I was listening, these movies, these songs, they all told a story. And what kept you going was, besides the, the 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 entertainment value of them, they told a story, and so it got you. You wanted to hear the next the next verse, eh. and 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 you wanted to know more about it. Well, I I started it started reminding me in a way of of hip hop. And if you go back to say eighties, nineties, and and maybe some early two thousands hip hop, especially Eminem. Um, they used to tell a story. Hip hop used to tell a story. Now it's just the blunts, forties, and bitches, and the glitz and the glamour bullshit. But uh, they used to, there used to be a tale there, and it was used to be about the struggle and and the death and the and the and you know the hard life and stuff like that. And and that's when it had an, a substance to it. It right. was important. You could feel it. You could hear what they're saying. Oh. And now there's nothing. Now it's just this pop, this pop bullshit. And movies, in a way, are like that as well. You know. Yeah, every movie has a story, but does it truly tell a story, you know, or is it just made to to be a um, a sense a distraction for the senses instead, and you know, instead of actually having substance to it? And that's what I was trying to lead into, is that that's the problem. Is you know, sure you need to progress when it comes to you know technology and yada yada yada, but what's being lost is storytelling. That's what's being lost big time. Is true storytelling. If you listen to music for the story, then and you believe that that story is there, 
uh. that whatever they're singing about, like fucking everybody believes that Johnny Cash went to Folsom Prison. No, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, no, no. Let me finish. If you're listening, <laughs> in my opinion, yeah. If you're listening to music for the story, uh-huh. you're missing ninety percent of it. Well, okay, like also the song by Jimmy Dean, uh, "Big Bad John," okay, where he dies at the end at, at the bottom of a mine, saving everybody. And it's not a real story, but the way he tells it, it it's it it it, it, it 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 makes you feel it. It makes you go into it. You know what I mean? I don't listen to lyrics. You never listen to lyrics. I don't care for lyrics. I listen to the music. Like if you listen to "Sweet Emotion" uh, by Aerosmith, if you listen to the lyrics, man, <laughs> or no, I'm sorry. Um, what do you think "Sweet Emotion" is about? Well, I know if you watch "Be Cool," John Travolta. No, says, what do you think "Sweet Emotion" is about? <laughs> um, don't fucking quote movie shit. It's about a guy getting uh, uh, he's having his fun. He's he's having sex. He's sleeping with girls. Nope. And he gets a girl pregnant. Nope. See, you missed the whole context of the song. Is it about heroin? Nope. What's it about? It's about Joe Perry's wife. Okay. That's exactly what it is. It's all about Joe Perry's wife. Have you ever read the lyrics to Sweet Emotion? Um, Talk about all the things nobody cares. <laughs> Can't catch me because the rabbit done died. I know that's about birth control. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. They used to use no, rabbits as birth control. No, it's, I'm not birth control. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, pregnancy test. It's not. It's not. It's about Joe Perry's wife hitting on Steven Tyler. That's what the fucking song's about. Okay, I, I don't want to get into about it's this. It's not you. You can't argue with me about this. Boy, did you read the book? That's exactly what Steven Tyler said, and he told that to Joe Perry, and that's the whole story. All right, cool, fine, but you you don't that that's the thing. But at least, but you you do understand that if you listen to lyrics, that you can take a story <laughs> from it, even if it's not the true story. No, it, look, you talk about the things that nobody cares, wearing out things that nobody wears calling my name but i gotta make clear i can't say baby where i'll be in a year she used to come backstage and fucking hit on him Mm -hmm. and she always dressed completely fucking whack job Mm -hmm. like you know she would wear all the latest designer shit you know when some sweet hog mama with a face like a gent (laughs) yeah you know so basically he's calling her some ugly look joe your wife's a fucking ugly bitch said my get up and go must have got up and went you know yeah, I'm totally ready to go, but you fucking came into this, you came into the room, <laughs> nothing's happening here. Yeah. She's a real good liar because the backstage boogie set your pants on fire. <coughs> so that's what it's all about. See, you stand in front just shaking your ass, I'll take you backstage, you can drink from my glass, telling me things I sure can understand because a mouth on the road and I'll be eating from your hand, you know, because a month on the road and I'll be eating from your hand. Because all of that is about her being able to fucking manipulate both sides and she's trying to get into steven tyler's pants mm-hmm. you know you can't catch me because the rabbit done died you know you're telling me things but your girlfriend like you can't catch me because the rabbit done died um it's like chasing the ghost you're chasing the rabbit okay <laughs> but even though you told me what you read is the true story about it it is a story right there's actual substance to it there it, this is a story right but nobody gives a shit you don't listen to fucking aerosmith to to get a story you know, so you don't listen to Sweet Emotion to get a story. Dude, they're playing fucking LaGrange on TV for a Geico commercial. Do you know what LaGrange is about? It's the best little whorehouse in Texas you've never visited. Oh. In LaGrange, Texas. <laughs> in that Texas town. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Where the hair is tight most every night. That's a fucking <laughs> lyric from the song, and they're playing it uh-huh. on goddamn TV 
because nobody understands yeah. that this is about getting laid in Lagrange. Uh-huh. The ten will uh, the get you in. Okay, <coughs> subtlety or not, but nobody nobody gives it. But look, you know that's an older song. It's not a newer song. It, it it's still there's still there's still something being told in that story. I know, but nobody. <sighs> I can't say nobody. A lot of people don't fucking listen to the songs for the lyrics. Maybe subconsciously they're hearing it in one way or another. But I'm, I'm sorry. Nobody's listening to the songs for the story. <laughs> they're listening for the songs because they like it. They like the beat or whatever. But you notice that all these songs that are made from stories in their own style, right? That that's what's more attractive. You know? Do you know the, the story about Don't You Want Me Baby? That's the long-lasting stuff. Hey, do you know the song "Don't You Want Me, Baby"? Yeah, by Human League. Yeah, you know what that's all about. Well, if I because I've listened to the lyrics every time I hear the song. If if you go off of the lyrics, it's two people that were together, and this girl wants to excel in her own life. They say, "I knew you're gonna fucking shake your head right when I right no. when I get what." What's it about? It's. It, I mean, okay, that, that's your own understanding, but it's wrong. She needs to move. And I'm on sorry to and, say that. Okay, fine. What is it's it? It's not about no. It's about this dude that's trying to fuck a 16 year old girl. You got to read the lyrics. I and I didn't know. I was like, working as a waitress in a cocktail bar when I met you, or when yeah, and that much is true. But then again, or but even then, I knew I would find a much better place e- either with or without you. But now it's time to live Listen, life on my own. Yeah, you got to you got to hear the the fuck like the way that uh, Opie did it on on his show. Uh-huh. As uh, it's you were so this is a guy writing a fucking. A note to this girl. You were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar when I met you. I picked you out. I shook you up and turned you around, turned you into something new. This is him saying that. Mm. Now, five years later. Like a pimp. You've got the world at your feet. Success has been so easy for you because of me. And, you know, that's the subtext. Uh But don't forget, it's me who put you there, and I can put you back down, too. He's Ike Turner. Don't you want me? You know I can't believe it when I hear that you won't see me. Yeah. Don't you want me? You know I don't believe it when you say that you don't need me. It's much too late to find. You think you've changed your mind. You'd be you. You'd better change it back, or we'll both be sorry. I mean, come on. So yeah, in a way. And then she's. Then this is her reply. I was working in a waitress as a cocktail bar. That much is true. But even then, I'd find a much better place, even either with or without you. So you didn't. You weren't necessary to my success. The five years we've had, you know, with such good times, I still love you, but I've got to live my life on my own. I guess it's just what I got to do. You know I can't believe it when I hear that you won't see me, blah, blah, blah. It's much too late, blah, blah, blah. I listen to a lot of lyrics on songs. I, I don't know why, it, it, but I just do. Um, the one song by Next, I think the name of the group, where the song's called Too Close, you know, uh, baby, when we're grinding, I get so excited, right? That whole song is about a guy getting a boner while he's dancing with a chick at a club. Yeah, but... But, Again, I'm, look, you're going to hear the lyrics regardless of whether or not, you know. Well, I just listen closely to the lyrics. And but it, half the people don't listen closely to the lyrics. They don't give a shit about the story. But what I'm trying to get at is this. If you notice the songs that last <laughs> the test of time, that, that remain classics to this day, are the ones that had a story to them. Mm. Even even if mm. you, you only take it as this cool thing, right? Mm. I think no. that it, because it has more substance to no. it. I'm sticking fucking by that. You, you, can sti- you can stick by it all you want. Here's the ugly truth to the reason what? why music. Every song you Li- brought up had a story. Listen, here's the ugly truth. What? Nobody gives a shit about fucking music that has stories. Subconsciously? No. 
Not subconsciously. Fine. It has nothing to do with subconscious. Fine. I look. I, it has everything to do with programming. We have been programmed. Every fucking music station that you listen to, whether it's country, soft rock, pop, whatever, play the same songs over and over again. Yeah, I know. Like like fucking Hotel California. I, I know. I exactly. So it's in, and that's a story as well. I, it has nothing to do with story. The music that you like is is based off of your enjoyment. Yeah. It has nothing to do with lyrics, story, or, or, or content or anything else. It's the beat. On top of that, it's the programming. You have been programmed to like this type of music. Your brain programs yourself. Yes, but <laughs> damn it, if you notice with modern music... It's temporary and it's very fleeting. Oh, absolutely. I'm and I'm not disagreeing with that. But these, these, the classic we, we keep going over this classic thing and the the classic is not you know well people are li- like I mean, it because it's fucking It's like there's a story in everything. You go to like Hey Joe by fucking uh by oh Jimmy Hendrix. Jimmy Hendrix, man. You know, that's a story. It, 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 but it doesn't matter. You again That's the way I see it. That's the, the way I see the, it. The the ugly truth is is that most most <laughs> fucking people <laughs> so don't listen to the music for the goddamn story they like it because it has a cool beat or i like Jimi hendrix and or that's my favorite song yeah i will look it, what introduces like, me into a song to even liking it from the get-go is not the the story inherently it's it's yes it is the beat it's the style it's the this and the, the that there the, you the, go the, the glamour but what keeps me staying and returning for multiple times, especially for the for my entire life, is when it has more substance to it. Uh, okay, so when it has more substance to it, that's that's a whole, whole different story. When there's no actual, pun intended. When there's actual meaning to the writing of the of the lyrics. No and bullshit. Otherwise. There's no. That's bullshit. Bullshit. Fine. Whatever. Look, I, I, I'll give you a good example. Okay, Van Halen with David Lee Roth. Mm-hmm. If you re- read any of those lyrics. They're off the charts. They're 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 written the way they're written, and they're left nebulous uh-huh. on purpose. Like you read something like Romeo Delight or Light Up the Sky or whatever. You know, yeah, they have some sexual innuendo and some tension and stuff like that. Hot for Teacher, obviously. <laughs> Drop Dead Legs. Okay, but then you listen to Van Halen with Sammy Hagar, and the substance is so different. The lyrics aren't as punchy. As yeah. Dave's lyrics, it's for, almost like you're listening reason. to a completely different band. It, absolutely, and, and but you have, and the only difference is the singer, mm-hmm. right? You have this, you have three of the same core group of guys, yeah. <coughs> and the only difference is the singer. Now, didn't Eddie write most of the music, and Sammy, when he was there, would write lyrics? Yeah, and same thing. Eddie wrote most of the mu- music, and Dave would write the lyrics. Yeah. So it's like the Jimmy Page and. Uh, Robert Plant. Robert Plant, yeah. Yeah. It, but, again, <laughs> when it comes to the mu- music, yeah. it's what you prefer. You know, it's what electrifies you. It's, it's what picks you up. The very first thing, like, I used to listen to fucking pop music, mm-hmm. you know, um, <coughs> KFRC. KFARC. Yeah, KFRC in uh, in San Francisco. And it had all, you know, it was just all poppy bullshit, whatever it was in the in the early 80s for pop, right? You know, uh, fucking, there it is right there. Uh, Boy George and all this other shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the very first time I heard Van Halen, I'm like, oh, this is crap. It was Jamie's Crying. The, the, that was the first song I ever heard from Van Halen because my buddy Ron, 
his dad had it on KSJO. And like, okay, well, his dad's kind of cutting edge, but, it, you know, I don't like rock music. And then I was over at my buddy Tommy's house, and they had MTV on because his mom wasn't home. Yeah. And That's the devil. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, fucking Back in Black came on. Yeah. And I was hooked. I was like, holy shit. Oh, look, that, at, look at yeah, those fucking guys play. And I stood there and I watched it. And she's like, "Turn that off, the devil's music." Thunderstruck, like, man. And I'm like, "Video." That was the first time you ever. No, I'm talking about when you're young. When I, you're, I was ten. I know. Nine I was, years old. I know you're seven years older. Now. <laughs> but you weren't. Thunderstruck didn't come out when you were nine years old. I know. Well, or maybe it did. Ninety-one, ninety-two. No, Thunderstruck was like uh, late '80s because I remember it used to come on the jukebox uh, cable station. Came out in the '90s. It was like '88, '89. Used to watch the video all the time. 1990. Okay. Yeah. See, yeah, that's when the jukebox was popular, too. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you were 11. Yeah, I love that video. Uh, probably, yeah, 12. Yeah. Yeah, I love so, that, 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 the video. Okay. So, in, in the cage, like Mad Max. Very, very similar thing. But for me, it's lifelong. Mm -hmm. For you, it was rap. Yeah. Y you like rap. To a point. I mean, I wish <laughs> I, I wish the older I am and the more I, I've learned the quality of art. Um, the older I get, it's. I wish I had been listening to more things as a child, so that it would be be a part of me now. Right. You know. Um. But there's things that I love now that I did I never loved as a kid. Yeah. So. But for me, it was ACDC mm -hmm. over Van Halen. <laughs> Still. Yeah. And, and and I love I love fucking Van Halen. So when I first heard it, and she's like, "That's the devil's music," right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, I've got to fucking hear." All of this shit. This is that was your Detroit Rock City. Yeah, that was the trigger. <laughs> and I bought every ACDC album. The only album that I was not allowed to have was If You Want Blood because uh -huh. it had a guitar coming through uh, Angus's body and there was blood on it. My parents were like, eh, it's a little too much. Yeah, you know, not the fact that you know, like Dirty Deeds done dirt cheap yeah. is about you know fucking murder <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want blood, you got it. Or uh, let me put my love into you. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> things like that. You shook me all night long. How about, how about Kiss's love gun? Yeah. You know, I, I was never into Kiss. <laughs> the gun is his dick, see? Yeah. It's, it means it's his dick. It's his dick. <laughs> but <laughs> I love that from Role Models. But, remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Oh, that was fucking great. No. I love it. I love it. But that's what actually got me into that song was that movie. <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was... I'm, I was never a Kiss fan, and I would, I had friends that were huge Kiss fans that had Destroyer posters on their wall, and yeah. they're like, "This is Kiss," and I'm like, "Yeah, they're okay. Yeah, they look cool. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I I dig them. You know, I don't dislike them. Yeah, but they weren't that that wasn't the trigger. It was ACDC and then Van Halen. Yeah, you know, and my buddy I uh my buddy Ron got 1984, and I heard, dude, I heard fucking Panama, Panama. Hoffer Teacher, and House of Pain. I was just like. Yeah hooked i am 100 percent hooked and done and i fucking flipped everything over to ksjo and, yeah and now we'll do the atomic punks man when they play have <laughs> teacher at the at the powerhouse yeah they're fucking awesome that was awesome I, everything was awesome but i yeah when you hear Hoffa teacher man that that fucking this that beat and everything is just damn yep fun that's a fun song it anyway is. um so lastly with the news um Warner Brothers is, um, I guess there's a rumor or, or it's it's a it's a report that they're going to be relaunching the Matrix yeah, series, is... which it, this is what pisses me off. They haven't approached Joel Silver 
because he sold his rights to Warner Brothers. Yeah, they don't need to approach anybody um, if they own it. They um, they haven't talked to Keanu about it, even though Keanu said Keanu. he's open to returning. Um, it's in the early stages, but it, it sounds like they're going to be doing a completely re- a complete reboot of the series, okay. which I think is is stupid. Stupid. It's stupid. Look, I, I, regardless of how much of a bad taste the the the, the final Matrix film made in people's mouth. You can still move on from it. I'll give you, you a can, bad taste in your mouth. Okay, you can move on from it and and have a later on thing going on something. But for 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 them to say that it's going to be a relaunch, I think that's that's foolhardy, and I think that you're making a huge mistake by doing it that way. Why? Because you've already established certain characters who look a certain way, who who are a certain way. You, you know, Morpheus is is Lawrence Fishburne. You know, Carrie Ann Moss is Trinity, and and Keanu Reeves is the one. He is Neo. You know, he's Thomas. Is he? And, and uh, is he? <laughs> and, and and Hugo Weaving is Agent Smith. Is so he? To to to. I mean, look at the Matrix came out not even twenty years ago. It, it it came out eighteen years ago this summer. So stop look, it. I, I don't relaunch it. Don't stop reboot it. it. Stop it. Fuckers. Fucking haters. I know you're a huge fucking Matrix guy. Yeah. So you know, I I get. I get the uh, the uh, passion, <laughs> you know, me being a fucking Star Wars guy. Yeah, but so what? <laughs> I mean, look, we're dealing with Warner Brothers. There's uh-huh. there's two companies that are completely devoid of any <laughs> creative artistry whatsoever. One of them is Sony, mm-hmm. and the other one seems to be Warner Brothers. At least for the most part. Yeah, they do some good shit. But look, all they're doing is rehashing King Kong mm-hmm. or The Matrix or they're trying to fix this Batman thing. And they better DC do universe. better with the next Harry Potter spinoff. In the, yeah. And I look, Fantastic Beasts. Wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. But there was points that you made that I didn't even notice until after after you made them. That and they were like, yeah, you're right. They, they didn't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But they they need to they need to just fucking scrap it all. No. Uh-huh. Fuck it. They need to do what what Marvel did. Uh-huh. Look, okay, we know we made some mistakes with Captain America <laughs> in the past, in Fantastic Four, and we got that. Yeah. And, you know, Angley's Hulk wasn't the greatest, but you liked it. Mm-hmm. You still liked it, and you went to the fucking movie anyway, so shut up about how you hated it because it's part of the MCU. Oh, I saw, I saw, um, I saw it. Yeah, I definitely saw it. You know, and it is. It's part of the MCU. There's been 13 films that have been created for the MCU at this point, or a little bit more, and which is amazing. You wouldn't think it's 13, but there's 13 it films. Yeah, and, and there's a lot more coming. And the Hulk is part of it. So whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter. But Marvel has also acknowledged the fact that they didn't do a good job on the Hulk. And they're going to, and they, that yeah, was, they, that's why they, that was their used, turning point. They use that movie as the, as the origin basis for the Incredible Hulk movie. Right. Because they pretty much show you almost the same thing in the intro credits. Of the movie, they show you almost scenes copied from uh, Ang Lee's Hulk. So, um, it, what? If you watch the beginning, um, the intro, um, the intro credits of the Incredible Hulk from 2008, um, it takes some of the scenes from from the from Ang Lee's Hulk from 2003, and then it does it in their version with you know uh, instead of uh, you know that General Ross, you have William Hurt's General Ross, right? Things like that. Okay, it's I understand. Very similar. It was like they, they were like, <laughs> well, you know what? Even though this is a Iron Man and Incredible Hulk are our start with this. 
we're we're why why do another origin for the Hulk when one was just done five fucking years ago? Right. So we're just gonna make it kind of assume that the Hulk was like that, but just now picture it as as you know these different actors playing him: Ed Norton and and William Hurt and Liv Tyler instead of you know Jennifer Connelly and Eric Bana and fucking Nick Nolte. Right. So yeah. Um, Oh fuck! Where did we go? we went off into a tangent on that shit? Yep. <laughs> so, anyways, about the Matrix thing. Look, they're just gonna do what they're gonna. Con- they're, they are. They're gonna do what they're going to do until they're done doing it, and I don't see them being done anytime soon. Yeah, I, I just know? look. I, I think that you, there's still plenty of stories to tell from the from the original Matrix universe, and I, I think they should go in that direction. They, you know, they it should be either a spinoff or sequels or something, it, it, a continuation. It, um, you know, it doesn't. I don't think they need. They're they don't need to restart it already. But that's not what the people want. I don't know what the the people. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, fucking. That's a different one. All right. Um. So lastly, you wanted to talk about Rebels real quick. Yeah. So Star Wars Rebels. As we get to the end of the podcast, I was going to hear this anyways. Um. It's two, the end. Two thousand people will hear it. Maybe. <laughs> it's the end of. It's getting near the end of season three. Yeah. And more and more things are have been happening. There's rumors that um, Benicio del Toro is playing Ezra, okay, in the new Star Wars movie. Hmm. That's his character, but his name is Vikram Fett. Ooh, so yeah. okay, so that's that's interesting in and of itself. Yeah. Um. However, you know, Fett's a Mandalorian name, so that's a Mandalorian names aren't by birth; uh-huh. they're honors. Okay. So who knows? Anyways, the rumor is is that his, that Ezra is going to be that character. Okay. And then get into a lot of rumors about Star Wars right now because we don't know shit about what's going on. And I was like uh, Darth Maul rumors too. Not in the new Star Wars movie. No, no, no. It just um Oh, no, the there's no Darth Maul. No. There's no rumors. It's all fact. Um so Darth Maul made his uh, reappearance and and uh he escapes after him and Ezra uh fiddle with some holocrons. Uh-huh. The, a Sith holocron. Uh-huh. And um, they don't get to complete the task. They don't. They don't. They aren't able to gain the information from the holocron yeah. that they need. But they gain some information, which is uh, a a sand planet with twin suns. Okay, we all know that they're talking about Tatooine, uh-huh. right? Plus a couple of other things. There's a couple of minor things. Some, you know, like I said, the Tatooine thing more noticeable than the other thing. Yeah. So fucking Maul escapes. And we haven't seen Maul since, like, the early episodes of of Rebels. And all this time um, has been spent dealing with Thrawn. And he's a really good character, you know. And they just announced season four. Everybody thought that season three was going to be the last season. Mm-hmm. Well, they're ending the season on a fucking fantastic note. Because, and it's all been leading up to this, and this gets me excited. I mean, like, fucking happy shit excited. Yeah. Where... It there's a it's a uh, I have to show you the trailer. I'm still two seasons behind. Season three. Okay, I'm gonna show you the mid season trailer. This is really fucking cool. Oh, so they haven't even gotten to it yet. No. Okay. It's, it's this weekend. Can you hear it? No. Well, maybe you should. No, pull still, the still can't hear it, dude. It's very, very low. That's better. And they're bringing in things from some non-canon stuff, like the Tie Defender, Saw Gerrera. Dark Death, uh, the Dark Troopers, Mon Mothma, Tarkin. This is the best part. Oh, um, she's no longer with them. She's back on Mandalore. Okay. So, uh, 
and I'm pretty sure that she's the one that starts uh, the um, the the Ren clan. The, the okay, Kylo Ren Knights. The Knights of Ren, because her last name is Ren. Hmm. So so many classic. They they've really got the classic fucking fight scenes down. So that this stuff, some of this stuff hasn't happened yet. That that just scene that just happened. That scene, that scene, this one. She finally get to see what Obi Wan was doing on uh, Tatooine. Yep. So perfect ending. Well, it this is not gonna be the end, but it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Gets me. I'm all weepy eyed here. Yeah, I still gotta, I still gotta catch up on uh, on the last two seasons. I still haven't seen the Ahsoka Tano thing versus Vader. Oh, that was really good. Yeah. So is there, there is there any Vader in this season? Um, no, I don't think so. Maybe huh. at the beginning. Okay. So they don't. There's not a lot of dwelling on Vader <laughs> this time around. <laughs> yeah. That's good though. It gives it, you know, so they can focus on other things. All right. So uh, next up on a couple of. <laughs> God damn it. You can, like call it, you the, can say that. The monkey has been trained. Uh, <laughs> next film we will be talking about on Cinescape Movie Review Podcast is going to be Get Out. Get Out. The the warning that 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 black comedians have warned. Um, the warning goers, that black comedians have warned. Yes, that, that's the warning that all black comedians have warned about with horror movies. Um, since for the last uh, three or four oh, you decades. mean the, the fucking Eddie Murphy joke? Get out! <laughs> yeah, like uh, get the fuck out. We gone. <laughs> yeah, bye bye. <laughs> We're gonna go stay. Oh, this place is nice and lovely. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I must go investigate. <laughs> get the fuck out! So, uh, we are gonna see Get Out. <laughs> uh, Goodbye. It's a as a makeup film because uh, we, at first we didn't want to see it, but more more and more hype has surrounded it, and there's nothing else else out this week except Beauty and the Beast live action, which neither one of us want to see. Okay. Hey, fuck that. All right. Look, Josh Gad is annoying enough as well. <laughs> oh, he's in the movie. Yeah, he plays the gay guy that that's that's creating the controversy. You know, uh, the quote unquote controversy. I'm not buying into the controversy because I don't buy into the fact that Disney is propagating. Is that the word? Right word is pushing the gay agenda. Just having- it's just that there's a gay character, and God damn it. That's part of life. And they said, dude, they always, they say, if you harken back to the 2000 or the, the 91 movie, that guy pretty much was gay without saying he was gay. Yeah. It's, one, so it, it gives a shit. I, you know what? Look, you don't see these kind of movies where the fucking guy whips his dick out and the girl starts sucking it. So just because there's a gay guy in there doesn't mean that he's going to whip his dick out and the guy's going to start sucking it. So get the fuck over yourselves. It's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. Get over yourselves. So. We are we don't, but we still don't want to see it because we want to see fucking Josh Gad in another movie anyway. Uh, so we will be seeing Get Out, <laughs> all right, which has its own uh, anti-white agenda. I'm, yeah, I'm joking, but still. Yeah, it, well, we can't we can't we we can't talk about that because that's racist. <laughs> but we could certainly talk about Disney. Oh, we could talk about the Ghost in the Shell whitewashing uh-huh. because hey, that's not racist. Oh no, because it's a white actress, you know. And we could talk about the uh, we could talk about the Disney uh, yeah. pushing the gay agenda because that's not fucking you know sexist or racist. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I, you know what? Look, but I don't, we can't bring up anything about you know look blacks or Chinese or anything else. I'm like not going to dispute that Get Out is going to be a good movie. I think it is going to be a good movie. But if there's any uh, anything I noticed that I think is uh, any kind of agenda pushing or any kind of racist bullshit or opposite racist bullshit or whatever, I'm going to call it. I'll call it out on what it is. I'm not going to be some scaredy pussyfooter. So anyway, 
I am Joe Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. Let's end this motherfucker. Why? Right at two fucking hours exactly. Okay, fine. <laughs> See it. Catch y'all on the flip side. Good show. Jolly good show. Jolly good show indeed. Hakuna Matata, bitches. This is the Cinescape Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening to the show. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email us or tweet us. My handle is at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. My handle. That's what I call it, my handle. You can tweet me at. You can send me a tweet at. Tweet me at. You can follow me. Fuck off. All right. Yeah, follow. You can you know, follow me or tweet me at. Send a tweet to. All right. Follow. Follow would be better. You can follow me on Twitter. <laughs> you can Twitter me. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. And for me, it is at. What about you? MPS 5150 because I make it easy. Yeah, you do. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And please remember, share the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. What is it, Joe? Yeah. You see that little button over there? Yeah. Yes. All you what do button? The little share button. Which button is that? It says share. Sometimes it's a little arrow that goes in a circle. Regardless, it's there. Or more. So share. Share. Share that podcast. Click that shit. <laughs> it's simple. Please. We put we do put some work into this. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not as much as we should. But still, all you have to do is click the share button. Yeah. Click anything that says share. Like on our movie reviews, there's a Facebook share and a Google Plus. Pick one. We Sp- prefer Facebook, but you know. Spread the love. Help us grow. Spread the love, and we will spread our legs open for you. No, we won't. I take showers. Well, what is that one? Show the balls? <laughs> open your balls. Open your balls. <laughs> Shower, yeah. Share, share the, share the show. Share the hell out of it. <laughs> share. Give her some love. I sound like little Nick. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> this is the end. It's the end. Finito! The end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Argo, fuck yourself.